Good morning. Good to see you this morning. My name is Mike Cooper, and uh, I met some of you last Sunday. My wife and I moved away from LaGrange a couple years ago, moved to Florida, Georgia, and now we've recently moved back to College Station, and we are so excited. Yeah, thank you. Um, so, so excited to be back in Texas and excited to be back part of a church family here. And um, Chris has asked me to preach. And last week I was here, talked about uh, what is life all about, and talked about life groups and small group ministry and how I believe God has designed us to go through life together, not individually, not just a, a man and a wife in his house and their kids and living in an island unto yourself, but he's called us to live as a body of believers together, doing life together, figuring it out. Not everybody has all the answers. As we just saw, we only have one person who has a perfect life in here. I think they just slipped out, and so the rest of us are okay. We can we can hear this message tonight, or this afternoon, and that's the thing I want to talk about this, this morning. We, we talked about life last week and all that that's involved, but part of life are the difficulties. Part of life are the struggles that we go through. Um, you know, we'd all love to be able to wake up every morning and hear the birds chirping and there'd be sunshine and rainbows and coffee brewing like the old Folgers commercials and all that kind of stuff and then have a perfect day and then go to bed at night and sleep great and not wake up and your back hurting and all that kind of stuff. But that just doesn't happen. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to talk about uh, some struggles that we may go through, some difficulties we may go through. We call them different things, struggles, difficulties, insecurities, anxieties, depression. Uh, but, but this particular message this morning, I want, to, I want to call them storms, the storms of life that we go through. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew, or Matthew chapter 8. We're going to be looking at verses 23 through 28. Matthew chapter 8. 23 through 28. Let me give you a little uh, context of this particular passage. Jesus has just finished the Sermon on the Mount, and he's, he's addressed issues like um, not worrying, talked about in Matthew chapter 5, verse, chapters 5 through 7 is the Sermon on the Mount, and he's, he's addressed a bunch of different issues. He's talked about blessed are the people, and we're pretty familiar with, the, with those passages, um, talking about narrow is the gate, um, ask and you shall find, all those kind of things. And so he's talking to the multitudes, and it's time for him and the disciples to, to come down the mountainside. And he's talked about all these things, and the very first thing that happens to Jesus and the disciples is he runs into a man with leprosy. And, and most of you know that in those days that was a, a death sentence. There was no, no possibility for those people to, to be cured. And so it was one of those things where um, they were required to, to yell out and, and let everybody know around them, hey, I have leprosy, please stay away. But this particular person had heard about the situation that Jesus was just on the mountaintop preaching, and he had heard about Jesus, heard about all the things that he could do, the healings. And so he disobeyed all the, the cultural rules and, and cried out and, and wanted to get close to Jesus. And then Jesus responded in a way that nobody else in that society would have responded with. He went up to the gentleman and didn't say, hey, I'll pray for you. Didn't didn't put his hands up and just kind of stay, keep his six feet social distancing, that kind of thing. What did he do? He went up and he laid his hand on the man with leprosy and he healed him. And so that was the very first encounter when Jesus comes off the Sermon on the Mount, and we, and we continue to see there, if you'll, if you'll continue to read, there's some other things that, that happen. 
um, that Jesus. And so all that does, it, it sets the stage for, you know, as a, as, as a pastor or as individuals. But, you know, we kind of go through life and we're doing those things that are right. We're coming to church and we're, we're tithing and we're doing all those things that we're supposed to be doing. And then we, and we turn around and then something tragic happens or some difficulty happens or some struggle happens and we're, we're kind of looking up to heavens and we're going, man, God, what is, what is going on? I think I'm doing those things that I'm supposed to be doing and I'm still having some difficulties. I'm still struggling. What, what's the problem? What am, I, what am I doing wrong? And what I want you to hear this morning is you're not doing anything wrong. It's just called life. It's part of it. And so, and hopefully by the time that we look at the passage this morning, you'll maybe have a clear understanding that, you know what, it, it is part of the, the situation. It is part of my day-to-day life activities that there are going to be struggles. There are going to be difficulties. And it's not something that I'm doing wrong necessarily, um, but it's just part of the process. And so let's read this passage together. Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 through 28. And it says, And he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. Absolutely love that. Everybody else is scared to death, storms raging, boats rocking, filling up with water, and Jesus crashed. I would love to have seen a picture of that, but he's sleeping. Disciples come up to him, they shake him, and they say, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. And he replied, Oh, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. And the men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this, that even the winds and the waves obey him? And the first part of verse 28 that we'll kind of get to at the very end of the message this morning is, and when, he, when they arrived to the other side of the region, and we'll get there in just a little bit, but what I, wanna, what I want you to see this morning, in your, in your notes, maybe in your little program, four different things that I want us to, to really kind of take a look at, think over, ponder, and, and hopefully we'll have like said, an understanding of storms and why they're necessary. I know that sounds kind of crazy. Uh, why they're necessary in our lives. The first thing I want you to see, though, are storms rage even when Jesus is in the boat with you. Listen, you and Jesus can be like this. You're doing everything right. You're getting up in the mornings. You're doing your devotional. You're drinking your coffee with less sugar. You're eating right. You're eating some salads. You're, whatever, you're exercising, all that kind of stuff, and still difficulties come. Still struggles come. And so I want you to understand that even though you do everything right, there's still going to be problems. There's still going to be things that are out of your control that God wants us, listen to me when I say that, he wants us to go through. Okay? Psalm, or, uh, James chapter 1 Chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, I think. It says, Consider it pure joys when you do what? When you encounter various trials. You hear that? It says, listen, we're to consider it joy when we go through the struggles. And I don't know about you, but I don't typically look at a difficulty or a chaotic situation in my life and go, Woo, happy, happy, joy, joy. I don't necessarily do that. Okay, But Scripture tells us that when we face trials that we're to have the perspective hey hey i don't have to fret i don't have to be overcome by the trial that is in front of me because james continue on continues on to say those trials produce maturity in us it's just i mean it's one of those things where once you go through something enough you kind of learn how to to 
to, to deal with it. You, you learn how to uh, maneuver. And so with that comes wisdom, comes understanding. It's like working out. You go through the resistance of weights. With running, you build up endurance. Same thing happens in our spiritual lives. When we go through trials, when we go through struggles, there is a maturity that happens in our lives. And so James says, listen, when you face a a trial, don't just throw up your hands and say, oh, God, why me? He says, consider it joy because there is a purpose behind the struggle that we're going to go through. First Peter chapter 4, verse 12 says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. Newsflash, if somebody ever told you that once you become a Christian that your life is going to be peaches and cream and roses and rainbows the rest of your life, they lied to you. Okay, It's not that way. Actually, just the opposite is true. And I'm not trying to be Pastor Killjoy here this morning. But listen, there are going to be times, a lot of times in our lives, where there are going to be some struggles. There are going to be some difficulties. As a believer... Jesus says, you know what, the world is going to hate you because of me. Those are the kind of things that, that we need to be ready for as believers, is that trials are part of life. It's who we are. It's something that we're going to encounter. It's not something that we're going to be exempt from. It's not something that, hey, we passed this particular part in our life, past 30, and then things are, are smooth sailing. Listen, it just doesn't happen that way. And as soon as we understand that, we come to grips with that, and understand that, hey, the struggle's a part of it. Then we learn how to maneuver in the midst of that. And, and part of that maneuvering is making sure that we're staying close to Jesus. And Jesus was in the boat with the disciples. They ran to him and said, hey, so we're about to drown. So, so the second thing I want you to see is storms never make Jesus panic. We see here in, in this particular passage, the disciples were scared to death. Uh, and they they got in, went back to the back of the boat or wherever Jesus was in the boat, Jesus was sleeping and says, listen, says, we're, we're about to drown. And what is Jesus doing? I love it. He's sleeping. And I don't know if this is just for effect. I don't know if it's just for to get their attention even more. Um, but Jesus wanted them to see that the situation that they were in was not as dire as what they thought they were in. And listen, they knew. I said it again. I said, listen, as you here last Sunday, my wife said, I say, listen a lot. So. Another way to say that is pay attention. All right, what, however you want to say it. But Jesus is sleeping. They come to the, the disciples, come to him, and and he's and he's he's just he's re, he's relaxed. He's not he's not afraid of what's going on around him. The disciples, most of them were fishermen, and so they knew the severity of the storm that they were in. They knew that this was not a normal storm. They knew that this was something that was was going to be pretty big. And so they went to Jesus and said, listen, you gotta, can you do something? Can you do something? So let me, let me give you a little, a little context as far as the Sea of Galilee as well. A lot of times we hear that word sea, we, we think of a gigantic ocean, we think of a large body of water. But the, the way that the Sea of Galilee is situated, it's in, it's in a valley between two mountains. At its widest point, the Sea of Galilee is only about two and a half to three miles wide, and it's about 12 miles long. And so it's not a gigantic, and that's still pretty big, but it's not a gigantic body of water that you would normally think of. So when afternoon storms would come through, it wasn't, un- it wasn't unusual uh, for a storm to kind of come through, come across the body of the water, and then cause some, some storms and some turbulation. But the disciples knew this was something a little bit more severe than what they had what they would normally encounter. So they went to Jesus and said, hey, you've got to do something. And so third thing I want you to see this morning is that storms force us to rely on God for help. 
Disciples knew that they needed intervention. Disciples knew that they needed somebody to do more than what they could do. They were, they were doing everything possible with the experience that they had, the rowing, the going with the wind, whatever, whatever they were accustomed to doing wasn't working. So they went to Jesus and said, hey, we need your help. Psalm chapter 34, verses 17 and 18 says, The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all of their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. I want, I want you to hear me say something over and over and over and over and over again. Storms are coming. I heard somebody say a long time ago, you're in one of three spots in your life. You're headed into a storm, you're in a storm, or you're coming out of a storm. We're always in one of those three spots. And so the, the sooner we grasp, the sooner we get a hold of in our minds that storms are part of life, the better that we are as far as believers on handling and handling those. Because once we recognize, once we understand that struggles are part of it, then we understand that we need some help. Philippians chapter 4 says, I can do all things through Christ who what? Who strengthens me. James talks about giving wisdom to those who need wisdom for situations. And so once we learn how to maneuver in the storms, once we, once we learn how to understand, once we understand that we need God's help, that we need God's assistance, we need His strength, we need His power, we need His wisdom, then we recognize that the storm is not something that we have to fight on our own. It'd be like somebody out in the middle, uh, on, on the beach fighting a hurricane with, with just, uh, um, a blanket. It's just, it's not going to happen. That seems impossible. But that's exactly what happens in our lives when we try to fight these storms on our own. God has allowed us to be surrounded by a body of believers that can come alongside us to help us, to encourage us, to strengthen us, to, to lock arms with us, to, to, to fight, to defend, whatever the situation is going on. One of the things that we have a hard time with, and I don't know if it's just, if it's just men or if it's just people in general, is allowing people to come alongside to assist. Asking people to come alongside of us to assist. And so my wife uses a phrase all the time when she offers to do something and, and somebody says no. And she goes, don't steal my blessing. Don't steal my blessing for me to be able to help if I can. And so what I'm saying today is I'm giving you permission to be dependent on the people that care about you. I'm giving you permission to say, you know what, I can't handle this on my own. I need somebody to, to come alongside, to strengthen, to encourage, to pray with. Sometimes it's a encouraging kick in the seat of the pants sometimes to, to get past something, to move on. But we need to understand that we need each other. Last week we talked about life groups and how important it is for us to do life together. That's part of that concept is for us to recognize that I need you and you need me. And when we, when we understand that, it's so much simpler to kind of get through those struggles because we know that we're not fighting it on our own. The last thing I want you to see this morning is that Jesus still has powers, still has power over the storms of life today. It wasn't just something unique to what was going on with the disciples in this particular situation in Scripture. Jesus still has power over the storms that you face today. How did you, what did Jesus do when, when the disciples came to him? Let's, uh, let's look at that passage again. In the middle of verse 26, 
He, he, first of all, he rebuked the disciples. He goes, man, says, why, are, why are you so afraid? Where's your faith? And he says, he got up and he rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. And I don't know, when you read, when you read the passage, and I don't know if your mind kind of imagines what that particular situation looked like um, when, when you read this, but my, my brain kind of works that way. And so I, I picture this little boat, not, not very big, and all the disciples and Jesus in there, and it's just being tossed back and forth, and the disciples are terrified, and they're drenched. The boat is, is filling up with water. It's about to sink. And they come to the disciples, and Jesus, he wakes up, and, and I kind of picture him stretching and yawning. Man, I was really kind of getting into the, the, the really good sleep, all that kind of stuff. And he gets up, and he goes, why are you afraid? And then he says, okay. And he raises up his hand, and he says, peace. Stop. Calm. And all of a sudden, there's no more rocking of the boat. There's no more waves. It is, when Jesus says, peace be still, it's instantaneous. And so, to the point where the clothes that they're wearing when Jesus stands up, it's so eerily quiet that you can hear the water drop off the bottom of his robe, into the bottom of the boat. And you can hear those drops dropping. That's how instantaneous when Jesus speaks into your life and he says, peace, that peace happens. The disciples responded, and they're looking at each other, and they're looking around, they're looking at this ocean, or this the Sea of Galilee that is completely glass now. And they look at each other and they're going, man, what kind of man is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? A perfect illustration for us, is not an illustration, but a reminder for us that when God speaks peace into your life, that we need to be that we need to give credit to the person who allows peace into our lives. A lot of times, something good happens, and we're going, "Ooh, man, good for me! That's awesome!" Or something good happens for somebody else, "Oh, man, that, that's good for them!" And we never give credit to the person who's provided the peace, who's provided the blessing into our lives. And so I encourage you, give God credit, bless him, praise him, share that with people around you, um, that, that God is, is bringing peace, God is bringing strength, God is, is, is providing reconciliation, God's doing all these things in your life. Give him the glory for what he's doing in your lives. Storms are coming, folks. You're either in it, you're headed into it, or you're coming out of it. Storms are coming it's part of life, and as soon as we understand that, that um, it's part of it and we can get through these storms, we can get through storms even when Jesus is in our boat. We understand that Jesus is not going to panic, that he's not going to be afraid, that there are people around us that can come alongside and encourage. When we understand storms are part of it, then it makes life a, a little simpler for us to, to get through. I was sharing last Sunday that... Um, that I'm kind of reaching that age now where I'm feeling like I'm, I'm really, really old. And I told a story about my dad saying something that happened 30, 40 years ago. And I'm to the point now where I can do that. And so I'm going to give you, give you a story that's something that happened back in the 1900s. Um, it was in 1995, I believe, was the, was the year. Um, there was a guy who was a, it was a Christian singer. His name was Scott Kerpain. Went and saw him up at, um, there was a, there was a church in Houston, before they moved to the old uh, um, Houston Rockets arena, uh, it was called Lake Lake, uh, Lake Lake Lakewood Oasis, so something like that. Some, there was a concert there, and um, Scott Crepain was at this concert. But he his his 
famous song at the time was Jesus Calms the Storm. And I don't know if you guys remember that, if you're old enough to remember that song. Maybe you can Google it, um, listen to it. It's a beautiful, beautiful song. But there was one particular verse in that song that has resonated with, with me for such a, a long time. It says, sometimes Jesus calms the storm, but sometimes he calms his child. And so I want you to hear that just because you're doing everything right, just because you're, you're, you're tithing, you're coming to church, you're, you're being a, a good friend, you're being a good spouse, being a good coworker, storms are going to happen. Just because you're doing those things right doesn't mean that storms aren't going to come. But sometimes when you pray and you say, Jesus, I, I, I don't want to be in this storm. At a scenario, I, I'm just, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. Sometimes Jesus says, you know what? The storm is still necessary. You're not to the point in the storm where I need you to come out just yet. And so sometimes he doesn't, he doesn't calm the storm. Sometimes he calms us so that we can withstand the storm that we're in. And that doesn't happen overnight, folks. It doesn't happen that as soon as you become a believer that, you know what, hey, i got life figured out and i got all the, the mess and the drama and all that kind of stuff figured out. It doesn't happen that way. I shared with you last week that you have to spend some time in here. You've got to understand what God's Word says. You've got to understand that, that storms are part of life, that difficulties are coming. But you also understand that in Romans chapter 8, it says that God causes all things to work together for those who love Him and for those that are called according to His purpose. So listen, God may allow some situations to come into your life. Scripture says in Romans 8, God causes all things. God may cause some things to come into your life to get your attention, to allow you to go through a storm so that you'll learn to cry out to him, so that you'll learn to hit your knees, so that you'll learn to rely on people around you. Storms are inevitable. Storms are going to come. They're on the horizon. Um, we've had a, a pretty rough last 18 months of life. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I saw a guy yesterday who was wearing a mask. He wasn't wearing a mask, and we were wearing ours. And, and I don't know what your particular thoughts are on, on the mask, um, but he's, we didn't, he didn't have it on, so we didn't feel like that we had to have ours on either. And he goes, I'm so over it. And that's the kind of feeling that we've heard that phrase over and over and over again. I'm so over it. I'm so over it. Me too. Okay? There are lots of storms that I've gone through in my life where I've reached the point where I'm saying, God, I'm just over it. I'm done. I'm tired. I don't want to deal with that anymore. And God understands that. Okay, it's not something that He doesn't have a comprehension. It's not something that He's just ignoring you. He understands the struggle that we go through, but He wants you to understand that He's there in the midst of that. He knows the struggle. He knows the pain. He knows the anxiety. He knows all the things and the emotions that you're dealing with, and He wants to 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 be the peace in your life heard somebody say a long time ago that your, your, your peace is not based on your surroundings. Your peace is based on your relationship with God. And so we can be in the midst of chaos. We can be in the midst of war. We can be in the midst of a pandemic and still have peace because of the person that resides inside of us. Sometimes God calms the storm and sometimes he calms his child. And so when storms come... Be the, be the child, be the person that God, when you run to, you say, God, 
I need some peace. Or I need you to be the peace for me in the midst of this situation that I'm in. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for the storms that we go through. We thank you for the difficulties. I can't believe I I really want to say that. But, Father, we know based on what your word says that they are necessary. Your word says in James 1 that they're necessary because they produce a fruit of righteousness. They produce a maturity so that we may be complete, not lacking. And so, Lord, I pray, God, that as we go through the struggles, as we go through the difficulties of life, Father, we know that you're right there with us, that you're in the boat with us. We're we're not lone rangers. We're not in a a boat in an ocean by ourselves worrying about how it's going to come to an end, worrying about how we're going to be found, how we're going to have relief. Father, you're right there with us. You promised in your word to never leave us and to never forsake us. And so, Father, I pray that as we deal with the things that we're dealing with, as we deal with the the storms of life that we're in the midst of right now, God, that you would be the peace. We pray that you would be the answer for us, that you would send someone to come alongside to encourage, to support, to motivate. We pray, God, that if someone, a loved one or a friend that we have needs that, that we can be that peace for them. We can be that encouragement for them. Father, we know your word says the plans that you have for us. The plans not to harm us, but to give us a hope and a future. Father, you have our best in mind. You have our best at heart. And so, Father, you be the strength that we need. You be the peace that we need. Help us to turn our eyes to you, Father, as Hebrews 12 talks about, you being the author and the perfecter of our faith, where our eyes are not on our circumstances, but our eyes are on you, the provider of our comfort, the provider of our peace. Father, that we can be secure knowing that you love us and you have a plan for us and that you're never going to leave us. We pray these things in Jesus' name.